Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part 12 of our current event and weekly Bible study for July 12th, 2009. We're going to be finishing up with some more Bible verses, and then what we're going to do next week is go back, Lord willing, we're going to go back into, we're going to start part 3 of the Hebrew Roots study, and um, get back to uh, what kind of the same information we were covering in parts 1 through 9. We segued totally off into the Bible for these three parts, and um, I felt it was a good time to do that, and now we're going to segue back after this one into the other. So, James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. James 2.10. So if you think you're going to keep the whole law, and you offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You're more guilty now than you ever were. Why? Because Jesus offered you a way out. I mean, when when all the Jews had were the law, that was one thing before Jesus came. But now we have a better covenant, a better, you know, infinitely better way through Jesus Christ. So, you know, if you want to go back into that system, just remember, you can't attain it. It's impossible to attain it. You're going to be guilty of all if you've yet offended one point, or if you have ever yet offended in one point. How do you appropriate the forgiveness of Jesus Christ when you're commingling this with your belief system? Well, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I also believe that we got to do this and we got to do that. And Romans 9.31 says, But Israel, this is physical Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. They tried to attain it. The law was their schoolmaster, but they couldn't attain it. Couldn't be done. Philippians 3.9 And be found of him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. See, when you think you have your own righteousness, like most people think, whether they're a Hindu or a Buddhist or a whatever, or a Judaizer, if you think you have your own righteousness, which is of the law, it's the same spirit, you know? But that which is uh, which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So, we contrast having your own righteousness, which is of the law, between that which is faith of Christ which is the righteousness which is of God by faith. It always boils back to faith. Always. Romans 10.9 For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. (laughs) There it is again. There's so many verses that confirm this. Titus 1.14 Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from truth. The, the, um, there's a certain part of, I believe, the Talmud that we had talked about in the previous teaching where they basically said it was, it was Jewish fables. They even admitted it in the writings of the rabbis. They were commenting on it. Not, we're not supposed to give heed to Jewish fables. And it specifically says Jewish because this was the main thing they were dealing with in Jesus Christ's day. The same thing now we're starting to deal with more and more and more with the Hebrew Roots Movement. Christian Zionism, whatever you want to call it. 
not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of who? Men, not of God, of men, that turn from the truth. They always turn from the truth. Always. They're adding to the word of God. It's incredibly dangerous. Add not thou unto the words of God, lest thou be found a liar. We talked about those verses before. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. He doesn't say no man cometh unto the Father, but by me, and keeping the law, and the Sabbath, and doing all this other stuff. Colossians 3, 1, and verse 11. Colossians 3, verse 1, and verse 11. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Pretty clear. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Going further. Now, before I say this first, let's define what we call the concision. Because this is what's talked about in Paul talks about in Philippians 3, 2 through 8. Webster's 1828 defines concision, which means to literally to cut off, literally a cutting off. Hence, in Scripture, it was the Jews or those who adhered to circumcision. Remember how we talked a lot about compel them to be circumcised and all this other stuff and keeping the law? Okay, so in Scripture, when they say the concision, it is, it is the Jews who adhered to circumcision after our Savior's death. And it was no longer than a seal of the covenant, but a mere cutting of the flesh. It was the first step into bringing you back into bondage under the law. If you could let the Judaizers come in and infiltrate you, they were called the concision. Paul said in Philippians 3, 2-8, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Oh, he shouldn't have said that. He just judged those precious Judaizers. Well, he referred to them in the same vein as dogs and evil workers and the concision. What did Jesus call them? He called them worse. He called them serpents and vipers. Well, you couldn't really get much worse than that for Jesus to say that because the serpent was, was synonymous with Satan himself. So... You know, that's what Paul said. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. See, we're, in other words, he's saying we're the true circumcision in Christ. We're the true believers in Christ. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Paul's speaking about himself. Paul could say I could have confidence in my own flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh. I more. So if you think you have a reason that you could trust in your own flesh, Paul says, I the more. And then he goes on to give his pedigree. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. See, he was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. I mean, he persecuted them really hard. Remember when he was Saul? Touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I counted those lost for Christ. 
I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung, meaning theses. I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That's what he felt about his own pedigree after the conversion process. Romans 11, 25-28 says, For I would not, brethren, that ye be, should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. See, they're blinded. A lot of the Judaizers um, or Jews... They're blinded. Now, a lot of the Jews, I think in God's eyes, are not really Jews. Because the Bible is very clear that they call themselves Jews, but they are of the synagogue of Satan. It talks about that in Revelation. And these are truly the ones that are sent by Satan that call themselves Jews, but they're not. They seek to bring men into bondage. They're of the synagogue of Satan. But blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. And I believe this happens, uh, we, we can, we've looked at this many times in Zechariah, I believe verse, uh, Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, I believe. Well, we talked about that before, we've talked about that in previous uh, subjects, where it appears that two-thirds of Israel will die, but a third will be brought through the fire refined, saved, and they're going to look upon whom they've pierced, and they're going to mourn for them as the mourning of losing their only begotten son. That's how they're going to mourn. When they finally realize what they did, they crucified their own Savior. I'm not saying they did personally. They weren't like there at the cross, but their ancestors were. Okay, That blindness, unfortunately, happened to them, I believe, when they said, you know, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. And you look at the deception, and you look at the blindness that has happened to the Jews corporately since then, it's hard to say that they haven't been under a curse. You look at the Holocaust of World War II. They've had a pretty rough time of it. They're, they're persecuted to this day, unbelievably. So, again, you know, I like to have biblical balance when dealing and talking about the Jews. I just don't throw them under the bus like a lot of people want to. And at the same time, always making that distinguishing mark between the Jews and the synagogue of Satan. And yet, I also don't go so as to far, like John Hagin, a lot of people, to think that there's they believe in ethnic salvation where they're just saved by their own blood coursing through their veins and that they don't need to get saved the same way we do and there's some special privileged class, class when the Bible is clear that there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. That we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I, again, I just really try to strive for biblical balance regarding these things. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so all of Israel shall be saved as it, as it is written, for there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, um, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, in other words, currently... As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Who? The Jews in general, unfortunately. Concerning the gospel. But it's touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. So a lot of people, say, again, they want to throw the Jews under the bus, 
corporately and say, oh, all the things that they talk about in Revelation, those aren't real. Those are like, British Israelism believes that they're like, we've replaced and usurped the tribes. And there's certain black sects of pseudo-Christianity that believe they've, they're the, the um, 12 tribes mentioned in Revelation 7 now. And all the promises apply to them now. I mean, you could go on and on and on trying to address all these cultic belief systems. But I tell people, if they think God's done with the Jews, please go read Romans 11. For one, I mean, there's other things you could look at. It's concerning the gospel. They're enemies for your sake. But it's touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sake. Well, praise the Lord. Romans 4.2 For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. But not before God. He was justified by faith. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 1-5 Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Now, I'm going to get to this. Let's. We're going to define what this means because you could say, this is what I usually get from the Hebrew roots. Movement. See, you got to keep his commandments. you got to keep the Ten Commandments. you got to keep the Sabbath. Shut your mouth. That's it. Again, I've got 45 pages in this PDF that I will post. Of course, I'm probably going to have to do it in two parts. 45 pages of New Testament admonitions. And you can call them commandments or whatever you want to call them, but it's the Word of God. What about them? Okay? So why do you want to just focus on one thing, which typically is the Sabbath, usually? Okay, so... By this we know we love God. By, by this we know that we love God, the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? That's the definition of a true overcomer. Okay? And again, I have a whole teaching on that. And, okay, 1 John 3, 23-24. And this is his commandment. So they say, oh, we got to keep the commandments. They automatically want to take you to Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. Yet, we've just read all these other verses in the Bible, which says that that's the covenant that gendereth the bondage. Could we be talking about other commandments here? Absolutely. And the Bible's very clear on that. 1 John 3, 23-24. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another. As He gave us commandment, and that He keep His commandments, and He that keepeth His commandments dwell in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. John 13, 34 through 35 says, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give unto you, this is what Jesus said, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one toward another. Okay? 
John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now, these are things Jesus Christ was saying. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no man anything, but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Oh, my. See, that's this is the better covenant. He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear fault witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, these are, sounds like the Ten Commandments there, didn't it? If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Is this becoming clear to you now? Why isn't... I mean, they just de-emphasized the Ten Commandments. Isn't that what just happened? Does that mean they're bad? No. doesn't mean that at all. They were our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Particularly to the Jews first and then to the Greeks. But if there's any other commandment, it says it is briefly comprehended in the same. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. First John 2, 8-11 says, Now, the reason I'm saying these verses is because these are a lot of the same verses that get thrown up to me by the Hebrew Roots Movement people that I did not address in my first teaching on the Sabbath. So now I'm doing this extra study that I will, if somebody asks me about the Sabbath, I'll say, hey, okay, here's my full study on it. I'm going to, you can look at my first two and then this. Because these are, these are a lot of the objections. And if we rightly divide the word of truth, the objections are easily explained. But if you want to dwell on something and just say, look, it says commandments here, and then, and that's it, end, end of argument, well, let's define what these New Testament commandments are first. Or what is the essence of them in this case? It is briefly comprehended in this saying. Okay. 1 John 2, 8-11. through 11. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him, in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. That true light is Jesus Christ. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in them in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians right now that are, I mean, it's obvious they hate my guts. <laughs> I mean, you saw what was said about me this week. Man. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Uh. There's that verse I quoted, uh, he that hath, that David quoted, he that hath, you know, been my friend and raised up his heel to me. Uh, one in particular, I really considered uh, a Christian brother friend and turned on me like a rabid dog. Man. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have any ill toward him. I don't. I really don't. I, I pray to God, you know, that the Lord show him this. I, I didn't. I have never said. I've never. This particular um, 
man, I've never said a crossword about him. I've never mentioned him on any of my teachings. He used to refer to my teachings. He used to direct his, his listeners to my teachings. Now, you know, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, all I can do really is pray for him, you know, um, but it was it was hurtful. I, I admit. I mean, you know, hear what's been said. I, I don't want. I don't like to go up and listen to that stuff. You know, I just don't like to listen to it. Really, you know, I get people relaying me what they're saying about me, and I, I have enough to get you know to understand what's being said. And you know, that's their prerogative. They have it. You know, they have that right if they want to do that. Um. Anyway, if we go further. Let's see here. First uh, John four nineteen through twenty one, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Let me read that again. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So there's a lot of there's a lot of ways we can clarify these new commandments by comparing scripture with scripture. John fourteen twenty one He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. I will love him and I will make manifest myself to him. John 15.10 If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now remember, these are in the Gospels we're talking about now. So let's see, let's clarify this further. What were the commandments that Jesus Christ talked about when he was here on this earth? Because you could make a case, oh well... That was said in the, in the New Testament after Jesus was gone. Well, let's see what Jesus said. Matthew seven twelve, the golden rule. I had a, a Jewish guy one time that came to me and said, um, oh yeah, where's that golden rule thing in the Bible? You know? The, the golden rule is commonly stated, do unto others as, as you would have done unto yourself. Well, it's stated a little bit differently in Matthew 712. He thought he was going to get me on this verse, and I emailed him back. I said, oh, you're in reference to the golden rule, which is which is stated in, in Matthew 712, which is says, quote, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. That's Remember where it's set up here, it is briefly comprehended in the saying, all these commandments, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, wouldn't you want that done unto yourself? Wouldn't you want your neighbor to love you as himself? Sure. Okay. That's, so in, in other words, this is very much in the same vein where, where it says in Matthew seven twelve. therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye so to them. Do unto others as you would have done unto yourself, in other words. For this is the law and the prophets. That's what Jesus Christ said. 
Matthew 22, 36 through 40, where they were questioning Jesus, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Sounds to me like he's really getting back into loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. And loving your brother in Christ, or sister in Christ. That's where the commandments hang now. That's This is the new, the new covenant, okay? Doing unto others as you would have done unto yourself. Hebrews 12.24 And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and, the, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Hebrews 8.6 But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. Romans 10.4 For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 6, 15 through 18, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. Now we are made free from sin and servants of righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, His shed blood to pay our sin debt and by becoming born-again Christians. Romans 7.7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. And again, I want to present this side because if I didn't mention these verses, somebody could come back to me and say, well, you never mentioned those. How convenient. I'm trying to give you all sides of this argument. Okay, because there has to be a way we can biblically explain all of these verses together. Hopefully we're doing that. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Remember, the law is our schoolmaster. 1 Corinthians 6, 8-12 Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And a lot of people stop there and just stop the verse and say, okay, that's it. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, does that mean we have to live in sinless perfection? Does that mean that we're, you know, let's read the next verse. Doesn't mean we should do any of those things, but if you just stop there, you'd be like, well, what about if I got, you know, what if something happened after I got saved or whatever? You're going to start doubting your salvation. The next verse says, And such were some of you. Regarding all of those things, fornication, adulterers, idolaters, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall not, shall none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then it says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. That means to be made holy and set apart. 
but ye are justified, made just before God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. That's how we're, we're made in right standing, how we're justified, how we're sanctified, how we're washed. That's how it's done. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God, then it goes on to say, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. Meaning all things aren't good to do. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Hebrews 11, 1-8 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Well, you know, if the worlds were framed by the word of God, if Jesus Christ spoke it into existence, which he did, do you think it might be important what Bible version you're reading as far as it lining up with the word of God? Because the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, and thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, what if you're reading a corrupt Bible version? How can you confidently say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? If you follow the Hebrew Roots Movement people, how can you confidently say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? You don't even know what the word of God is. You're leaving it to the interpretation of some Mr. Smarty Pants rabbi guy. Or woman. There's rabbi women out there that are out there too. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. What does that boil down to? Faith. Again, it always comes back to faith. God testifieth of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Enoch was translated out of this world. Like Elijah, kind of, you know, same principle. Because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony, that he had pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What does that tell us about Enoch? That he had tremendous faith. Remember, faith is one of the implements of the armor of God. The shield of faith. And it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. What does a shield do? It protects you from all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, I understand there's other implements to the armor of God. The helmet of salvation, having your loins girded with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, making all prayer and supplication for the saints. Okay, But it does say above all, taking up the shield of faith. It is very important, and it seems to be the prerequisite thing for pleasing God in the Bible. Or, I'd say, dare I say, the most important thing. I understand there's a lot of other attributes of things to to be in right standing with God, but faith seems to be foundational. Okay, so, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How do you come to God and believe that he is what he says when you don't even believe the word of God, when it's been brought into question? Which again is usually the first tactic of the Hebrew Roots Movement. It's such a damnable heresy. 
and that he, meaning God, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of all things not yet, not seen as yet, moved with fear, fear of God, that's how Noah was moved. He was moved with the fear of God. Well, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. It's not a bad thing to be motivated by the fear of God. <clears throat> by faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not as of yet. The flood hadn't come. That's what that means. The flood had not come yet. But he was moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Now remember, this is the book of Hebrews that we're quoting from, given to the Hebrews to get them out of this bondage that so many of them were trying to be pulled back into. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. He was exercising his faith, by obeying God. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it tends to atrophy. If you don't exercise a muscle, it atrophies or it gets smaller. Hebrews 11.13 says, uh, going forward a little bit, where it talks about all these people of the faith, these all died in faith. They died in faith. having not received the promises. They were overcomers. They died in the faith. And they hadn't even received the promises. They, Jesus hadn't come yet. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, which is pretty much what we are as born-again Christians. We're just... This isn't our home. We're just a passing through. Um, we're... Uh, We're wanting, you know, our goal is heaven. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. We go to, obviously, God didn't make him sacrifice Isaac. But he had the faith to actually do it, if God had called him to do that. That's serious faith. Hebrews 11, 23-26 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing ra rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Hebrews eleven thirty six and 40. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. How do you like to be sawn in half? Ugh, man. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Amen. Amen. They wandered in deserts and in mountains. Now these are all, this is like considered, I've heard this, this portion of scripture talked about as the hall of fame of faith. Okay? And these are the people that did all this stuff. And, and, and they were, they were, 
The Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. Man, is that true? They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens of caves and of earth. These were those that were of faith. And all the, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Having, God having provided some better thing for us. This is the better thing through the Lord Jesus Christ. The better covenant. The new covenant. That they, without us, should not be made perfect. Romans 10.17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's where I'm going to stop today, and we're going to pick up part three next week, and hopefully we've clarified some points biblically regarding this issue. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy. I do pray, God, that um, you bless my listeners. I thank you for them, Lord. I pray that you you would continue to bless this ministry, not for my sake, Lord, but for the sake of the people out there that need to know the truth, that need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that need to be set free from bondage. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me and through wherever your word and truth is being preached worldwide, Lord, through all of your servants, through the body of Christ. I do pray, God, you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. I pray, God, for the people that are caught up in the Hebrews' roots movement, I pray to God you would give them eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear, Lord, that you would free them from this bondage that they are in, that you would judge the people that are in this movement, that are actively seeking to act as agents of Satan to bring these people into bondage, that you would deal with them and judge them. You said judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, and I pray, God, that would be the case with this movement, with any wicked movement that would seek to defile the body of Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.